myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is comedian Danny McGow. Danny is a newer comic here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, he is currently, he lives in Weatherford right now, which is on the outskirts of Fort Worth. In this episode, we talk about living with our parents, comedy, and then we get into his fear of being having a home invasion while he's asleep. It's a real fun conversation, so let's get into that interview right now with Danny McGow. All right, my guest this week is comedian Danny McGow. Is that how you say it, or is it McGow? It's McGow on stage, but it's McGew off stage. McGew off stage. McGew off stage. That's my real name. Yes. So would you just like embrace someone not knowing how to pronounce your name? Everybody who says it wrong always says McGow. So it would, you're actually in the minority there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's why I go by it. Okay. Well, I get the OU sound. Like that's, you know, they see the OU and then they assume it's OW. And I'm like, but I see the GH, which is Magoo. Yeah. You're or, one step ahead. Absolutely. Or Mago, you know, but that's E U X or E A E A U X. You would think nobody would name their child Mago. Like, <laughs> so it, you, and you, I've heard you talk about it. Like that's kind of like actually maybe not the name you were given. Like somebody changed your name, like, or somebody else changed your name like somewhere along the lines that it wasn't always Mago or Mago. Yeah, absolutely. It was not, it had, uh, actually it used to be some stupid nickname when I first started, like, uh, I, th I think somebody wanted me to go by Danny deviant or something stupid Ooh, like that. that sounds yeah. disgusting. It, it's yeah, ugh, it, it was bad. And I did it for like a month and it was terrible. And then, uh, but no, McGow just sounded like, it sounded like a movie star. Yeah. But I thought you said like <laughs> maybe it's great. I really liked it. I'm maybe getting you confused with Matt McElhone, the other Mac name that his that he said somewhere along the lines like it's not McElhone, like is not like like someone like one of his great relatives like changed it to McElhone. Oh yeah, no, that was not me. I yeah, McGew through and through. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I think he's like his his something like McLean or something like that, and they changed it to McElhone, like somewhere up the line before it got to him but he talked about that and I thought maybe that was you. And I'm like, nope, that's definitely not. So how long have you been doing comedy? That would be terrible. I'd want to keep it all the way. You know? Yeah. Uh, I'm reaching the two year mark, but that includes COVID. Absolutely. Okay. So in two years, what has been the highlight? Like as far as your comedy, what is your comedy? Like if you were to have to retire today, what would be the me the number one memory of doing stand up? Okay. Sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I would say the highlight uh, has definitely uh, after I started running my own mics. Uh, mm -hmm. That used to be like favorite thing to do was run my own mics, and then I started hating it after I started getting like a uh, couple of bar shows and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, but the biggest one has to probably be uh, I like bullshitted my way onto this uh, thing that Butch Lord did, and it was this uh, huge like big. Uh, 
thing at hyenas and it was really fun it was like one of one, really really fun but uh yeah that was probably one of the biggest highlights okay so that's probably one of his showcases then showcase shows are probably going to be one of the most amazing audiences you'll perform for because everybody there is a friend or a family member of somebody that's performing that's exactly what it was and they announced that at the very beginning and so what happens is is they want so much for everyone to have a great set that they are actually receptive to comedy it's not a it's not a bar show where they could give a shit about what's happening here they they came to drink and <laughs> yeah. they've been thrust into this comedy show but that's usually like it's one of the one of the greatest audiences you'll ever perform for yeah, they were there to see it which made it great. yeah and they're there to support they they're out there to just not know anybody there's some they have a dog in the fight and so they want to make sure that that person gets an amazing ovation and stuff so usually they end up just being a really hot crowd so hot that it can make you some people can take that and assume that they're already on a level of stand-up that they're not because they're so they're so hot and they're so receptive it can give you that feeling of oh my god i'm just amazing at this I believe that 100% because it was very early on when I was doing comedy and it felt like I got more love than I deserved. Like that, that's what it really felt like. I mean, it's, it's a great show to keep you going, I guess, mentally to kind of check back to that, but it also gives you unachievable standards. If, if you believe like some of the jokes you did on there are that good. Every single joke I used on that is gone. I have <laughs> not used a single joke on that competition since. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, not competition, the showcase. But yeah. what I was going to say was uh, a big highlight was has been uh, I've recently I've been on two competitions and I got second place in both. And one was like with 11 people. And uh, that felt really good. <laughs> yeah. And, and it should because chances are with comedy competitions, you may have technically won. You know, sometimes they're sometimes com- comedy competitions are rarely fair. It's either somebody they know because. If it's a money prize, they want to be able to either one, hand it to somebody that may not need it right now. And so if they don't have it on I hand, would never say that, but yeah, <laughs> maybe, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of times you, you have to look at, you know, why, you know, understand why the other person won. And sometimes it's, they're a local resident and if it's a $5,000 comedy contest and they don't have $5,000 to give out right then and there. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to select a winner. That's somebody that can say, Hey, you know, I don't have it here, but can I pay you or can I pay you in gigs or can I pay you in this? Exactly. Yeah. And I, uh, but I'm, I think I'm pretty good at recognizing when it's, uh, the rigged and when it's not like, uh, I lost to, uh, I'm not going to mention a name, but she was just batting 1,000 like every single uh, round. And she was really good. And I'm really glad she won. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that it, that there aren't, you know, the people that do win it are always, you know, not <laughs> not the winners. But I mean, usually you just have to look at who won. And if it's, you know, they basically say that that's the person that I felt, you know, if you felt you feel like they beat you straight up in a in, a, in this contest. Or if they brought, if there's a, 110 people and they brought 100 of those 110. But I mean, you just have to look at their set. Like you, sometimes you, there's just a contest that some days it's just not your day. There are days where I, you know, I thought this is going to be my, this is going to be my contest. And I just literally just either choked or 
you know, somebody else just just had a better, you know, better set. And you just have to you have to be okay with that too and just be like, okay, what can I do better? And you know, you're showing that by, you know, on your first showcase saying, you know, I believe in that one hundred percent. Because you have progressed and you haven't done the same jokes that you did on that showcase that you've evolved and, you know, started to find things that are more honest and genuine to what you are instead of just observations of somebody that people probably don't want to hear observations without getting to know you. And so you're starting to do bits about getting to know Danny and those seem to be hitting better than, you know what I think and realize, wow, no one cares what I think. (laughs) I think that's absolutely true. I think that's absolutely true. But uh, this kind of does remind me of something somebody told me about you. I'm not going to drop a name, but uh, they said when they first like uh, were talking to you and everything and you, he said, they said you were giving them advice and they thought that is the biggest load of horse shit I've ever heard. And then like three years later, they thought, damn, that dude was right. Like specifically. And I don't want to drop a name, but like, uh, he was like definitely singing your praise a lot saying you have really, (laughs) really good insight into this kind of thing. So what did, what was my advice that he said that it was, he did not say what the advice was. He was just singing your praise completely. Okay. I was like, (laughs) I was because, yeah, like some of the stuff I, I can't critique your writing. That's one thing I try not to do because I'm like writing is your baby and there's nothing that it gets more personal than critiquing someone's stand up material. Like if you to tell them, you know, I don't think that's a good joke or I think, you you know, that's a poor, you know, that's really shitty writing the bristle you'll get from other comics when you tell them that they think you think that their joke sucks or that, that, that it's not good is it's, it's personal. And I, and who, you know, and just because I saw it on an off night, I have this opinion of your writing. People get real, get real personal and stuff like that. When you start like, just like if you have a writing group, do you guys write, do you write with anybody or do you write by yourself? Uh, we just, I just started a writing group and I don't even know if I'm going to like it. I honestly might ditch it in the first like three days, but, uh, I, I thought I should give it a chance because somebody I really trust thought I should. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want you to do a a little experiment. Will do. (laughs) Just, it's somebody suggests a topic, try and present another point of view and see if they're like, no, what I was, see what I'm trying to say is. Let's see if they immediately will defend. They, they're a first idea. Exactly. That's why I think it. I might hate this. <laughs> it gets frustrated. Or, or you'll get somebody that just keeps talking. And it's like, whose joke idea is this? Uh, I, I stressed that I wanted it to be low key, like real <laughs> low key kind of thing but that's i don't think that's gonna happen yeah i i sometimes write otherwise it won't happen yeah i'll pitch bits to like seth or david jessup but it's like you know what do you think of this and then they'll come back with their statements and you know some of my stuff it has been you know someone's helped me with asher allen helped me with my gated community bit where i talk about like the girls literally spoiled that was his tag like she's literally spoiled because i was like the funny part was she was sitting outside of this terrible apartment complex at a bus stop with a shirt that said spoiled on it and he's like well maybe she literally spoiled and i was like 
I'm like, I don't know if I, you know, it's like, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of to me, I don't know if that should, you know, and I did it and God damn, if that thing didn't destroy, you know, and I'm like, okay, you <laughs> really? know, fair enough, you know, like who in, in, you can have, sometimes you can think your way out of a situation. You can try to write a biblical verse when a reader's digest sentence will do and people people will sometimes just create this whole like phantasmal like setup and then you can't it's like you know sometimes you don't need all that sometimes you just say the setup as simply as possible and then the punchline and then boom Uh, yeah the main piece of advice i had from somebody that i really trust was uh same guy was cut cut as much as you can off of the joke and uh I've been doing that, and I think it's been working for me. I think I feel like, and it can be hard. Like so it, you just it, as an opener, you want to cut and edit and get to the very, you know, the very bare bones of a bit, and just okay. Here, like one of my, you know, my. I'm trying to think of what bits I do that you've seen that I that I still I did as an opener, like my DOI stuff, like yeah. the, like the crock pot joke. I I came up with just as I started as a feature, but. The DUI chicken used to be one of my cl- my opening closers. Walmart bit used to be one of my opening closers. Like I would bang, bang, like the Walmart, you know, like I bought a shirt at Walmart and the sizes, you know, or, you know, S stood for slim and I just slim, you know, then I was like, what about other size? Like M, maybe L likely, extremely likely. <laughs> I could see where that could be like overthought, like where you add stuff you really don't need. Well, if you hear it to me as you a feature. You see where the bare bones is. Yeah. Yeah. But that was me as an opener, as a feature. It's it's longer. It's like gets this, you know, the setup and goes through that, and then then I have a tag after that about buying sweatpants, and it's just it just goes repeatedly, and so it's just one of those things where as as you learn as a fe- once you go into opening, yeah, you want you want to hit it with you know quick quick quick, but once you move to feature, you want to I think that, yeah, then unpack it and talk about it and see what what you can make out of it that way. That's cool. I never even thought about that. I've never featured or anything, yeah. but uh, I've never thought about that, like needing to expand more. I've never even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, uh, it, it, what's going to be easier is it easier to just, just adding five minutes to a bit you already know works and just kind of tinkering with that or coming up with a new five minutes, you know, instead or stretching a five minute joke, you know, works into 10 minutes. It's a lot easier that to tag. Hard. <laughs> it sounds like, hard, but once you get to opening and you're you've mastered opening, you under you'll understand what. Oh, you know, I just can talk. I can say this little tagline, this little tagline, this, and it just keeps going. Or you find out that two of your opening jokes, if you put them together, make one long bit, and you can go through. You know, my DUI stuff was basically me as an opener. Like that's why. That's why it's so fluid, and that's why it's you know it has all this emotion and stuff because the bare bones of it I had since I was an opener, and so I can just build around it, and it just becomes longer and longer, and you just you learn to you you learn to you know kind of adapt on stage, and sometimes what you hear you do on stage works, and you just repeat it, and it becomes an, another part of the bit. When you say it like that, it does. Uh, it does seem a little easier. Like when you, because I've had to move around stuff. One of my uh, best friends says that that's like the worst problem that I have 
is uh, I get up there and I'm thinking, I say a joke and it might not work and I switch gears immediately. And then it's like, I don't know where the joke should be, like, absolutely. And then if you like make them together, uh, put them together and like flow off each other, I think it makes it longer, like it you were does. saying. It does, but you just have to, you'll have to, you have to build an internal clock and just yeah. know, okay, I'm only doing 10 minutes how am I going to organize this and when, you know, and know when 10 minutes feels like and be like, you know, cut to closer because like I've told Mallory and stuff, cause she's done 15 minutes on a claws out show and she panics, you know, I don't know if I have that. I'm like, no one's going to, no one at that show is going to be like 12 minutes amateur. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. I was like, if she's giving you a target, if you can't make it, there's no shame in doing as long as you can but just hang on to your closer, and once you can't think of anything else to say, hit the closer, pull the mic stand in front of you to let people know you're bouncing after this joke, and bow out. You you know, there, there's nobody, except for a corporate gig, no one's going to fault you. Oh my gosh, we're ending the show three minutes early? How dare you? I think that that's really sound advice. Because yeah. uh, it's, it's way better than when uh, I'd rather have someone close than try to just squ- squeeze out something random in their head you know what i mean and yeah. it's really bad it, it ruins it for the next person coming up and it's just i don't i don't like that i think that's really good advice and if you if you burn your closer then you're out there you're just okay yeah now now yeah. that nothing's going that's your in your mind that's your best joke nothing else is going to get as good yeah. a response as that yeah, you couldn't think of something better in six months how are you going to think of it in the two minutes you have yeah. left like yeah <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, just you know, and you you'll want to s- kind of set something, have a baseline, a, a bare bones set. But I've never wanted to have everything fit perfectly. I like to be mobile. I like to be able to start with my DUI stuff, move over to dating stuff, move to f- being broke. And if I didn't want to do that, I can do straight DUI stuff to corporate stuff. And there's all there's different I usually try to do three or four different sets every weekend I work just to not feel like I have to, oh, I did Crock-Pot. Now I have to do, you know, I do Crock-Pot and drive throughs I don't have to do, I don't have to do my DUI arrest story. I don't have to do my cubicle bit. I don't have to do Walmart after that. I can, I am totally fine going through all the different jokes I have and being like, okay, let's try this one, you know, and just, yeah. And just put yourself in peril so that when you're on stage and that and you don't you derail because that's going to happen. Your ner- your nerves and emotions are going to be in a place and you're all of a sudden your mind is going to be thinking like, let's do this. And then your mouth is going to say another joke altogether. And, and you're gonna be like, oh, shit, what are we doing? That's so true. That's, that's why it's so important to remember your jokes. And I'm so bad at that. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I mean, there's no shame in that. You can do that. But don't you don't feel like you have to do. OK, what's the next joke in the order? You know, if you if something yeah. else pops in your head, just roll with it. And be like, Oh, shit. This yeah, is- I. I absolutely agree with that. I'm t- I'm talking about completely forgetting your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> It'll it'll come and it'll go and it'll happen. You'll have jokes that you will forget for years, and you'll be like, "Oh, why, yeah. did, why did I stop doing this?" And it'll bring it back, and then you yeah. or jokes that you did when you started two years ago that are that are maybe good bits, but because the level of comic you were when you first approached them, 
isn't that great. But now you're in a totally different mindset. Me and, you, and Matt McElhone had that exact conversation. We were talking about uh, where you're not, you weren't a good enough comedian to make old joke something that was yeah. really, really good. And now you are. Yeah. Well, it's like there's confidence. Like you now you're not nervous. Like some people, like when, especially when they try to be edgy early, like you don't have the stage presence. Like, I'll give you an example. Like if Diego Rangel decided he wanted to do something edgy, Diego doesn't have the confidence of the persona to be edgy at this point in his career. He's just too, he's too nice. He's too innocent and he's too nervous. So he will not deliver that with the authority and the confidence that an edgy comic needs to have, like a Jeffrey Ross or Joe Rogan. There's, it takes an exceptional amount of confidence to say something that's dark and make it funny. You can't just be a, a nice guy. Yeah, I think that's true. And it, it, I, uh, I think it's weird to go from like being a nice guy and then just throwing a random dark joke in there. And I feel like uh, that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, but I mean, you you try to emulate the comics you you admire. So if you admire a Joe Rogan or a or a Jeffrey Ross or you know Louis J. Gomez, Big J. Okerson. You're going to, that's how you're going to approach stand up until you kind of find out who you, you kind of make peace with who you are. Yeah. Own who you are. And then all of a sudden your jokes be, get bigger laughs and stuff because they're honest and they fit you. They're not you trying to, to be Big J Okerson. You're Big J Okerson's been doing this almost 20 yeah. years. I think that's, uh, yeah. I think that's true, and I think that's impossible to explain to people. It was possible to explain to me when I first started. Yeah. I mean, it's like I feel like that's so hard for people to grasp. You know what I mean? But but that's also like a, a, if you're in kindergarten and you tell me you want to be a ninja, I'm not gonna tell. I'm not gonna explain to you as a parent why it's exactly why why you're absolutely <laughs> not gonna great, be a ninja. <laughs> I'm gonna let you pretend to be a ninja until you realize. I can't be a ninja. I can't be a ninja. That's a great way of thinking about it. Oh my God. <laughs> so that's why I usually, you don't see me get a lot of new people advice other than learn to love what you're doing because you're going to be doing it at at this level for a very, very long time. And even okay. after you get some success, you're still going to be doing it at this level. That's tremendous advice. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is, uh, yeah, enjoy it and get comfortable watching people start before you and get better, like be better than you. You know what I mean? Like get comfortable. With that. A lot of a lot. Of, I hear it way too much. I hear people saying like, I've been doing it for like two years. This guy's been doing it for six months. What the hell? Like, come on. Like, no, that's not what it means at all. But it, it, people look at it that way. Like people will say that or that they'll say it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. I'm like, it's neither of them. It's a journey. You're, there's no there's no finish line there's no there's, yes there's no winners or losers everybody's just walking on the same path and taking different trails and sometimes their trails lead to earlier success but it doesn't mean they won't have struggles a year or two down the line because when you're successful early you still have hurdles to get through whether it's you have stage presence early that gets you through writing maybe not the best jokes for a while, but then you kind of hit a snag and you need better material. And it's hard. It's hard to write. Some people it's hard to perform. Some people are amazing writers, but they just can't 
face a crowd and be confident at the, at that same time. And it takes time to to not be afraid. Exactly. And then it might be easier for the person who doesn't have that same success. And so it's, it's very interesting, you know, because as a comic, like I get, I have the fear you talk about, like that is one of my fears because I'm always, I'm not, well, before the pandemic, I was never home. So I would go to the office and then immediately from the office drive to open mics. Now I work from home. So I'm home more than I used to be. But I still do a lot of open mics. Like I will go tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday. I'll probably do TKs just to just to kind of spread it around and not be just at Funky Picnic. And then I'll come back to Funky Picnic week after next. And yeah, I see you at. So yeah, I do, there's a reason I do all those open mics. That's the that's the reason I am where I'm at. Is this because I just constantly work and I just don't stop working? Yeah. So it, uh, it's it's cool to look at, man. Like the way you do it is really good. I think uh, I really like your stand up. <laughs> but thank you. It's it's taken me it's taken me good. It's taken a long time for me to get there. Like it took me almost to my third year anniversary before I got my first weekend at Hyenas. It took like ten years almost after that to to get to feature. So I two that well six years. So I was opening for six years. Then I moved to feature in like 2015 after people that became openers after me but features before me like Jessup and a couple of other people you know moved a feature before I did and I you know I gotcha. just I just learned to be okay with it like I you know it's there's times where you just see it in in a moment it's okay to to feel like you are an underdog yeah I I, I think taking that in stride is the best way to go for it. Like you are the underdog. Like I am the underdog. Like that kind of mentality is good. Yeah. And so, you know, I tried, that's how I've always approached it. It's like, you know, that's fine. I just, I'm going to bide my time because yeah. once they do see me and then, and so I've, I've branded that. And, but being a standup comic, I'm, I'm away from my apartment, you know, most hours of the night. And so I get, I get kind of nervous. I'm on a downstairs apartment. I'm in, I'm not in a very place that's conducive to your fear because of my apartment's location in the complex. And so it's very high visibility. It's on the ground floor, but it's super high visibility. It's not like they could park somewhere and there's not people that could see them. I think <laughs> I would feel more comfortable in an apartment. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So tell people what your fear is. Uh, my biggest fear has to be uh, home invasions. I think those, the idea of somebody coming into your house like while you're sleeping uh, and uh, not just stealing anything, but the fact that they're there, I, they could take everything in the house. And if they're gone by morning, I would feel much better than if they like somehow just attacked me or if I knew they were in my room or something like that. That freaks me the heck out. So what is it about that that freaks you out? Like what? What do you think triggered? Well, it started when I was like three, absolutely. Like just when I was little and I first learned the concept of a burglar. Uh, it just like, I don't care if like you invade my home while I'm awake, like at all, like 0%. It's the fact that I'm out is that really, really bugs me. Mm -hmm. Like uh, they could do anything because I'm asleep. Like, you know what I mean? Because I have like way too much overconfidence. Like if somebody's invading my home and I'm awake, I'd be like, I could take them so easy. Like that's how I think. But if I'm out, I'm so vulnerable and I, I hate that so much. So what is the best self-defense move ever? Ever? I think the best self-defense move is your knee. Absolutely. Your, your knee 100%. Okay. I mean, 
that's the best way to move. Now, if you have a gun or a weapon, then you're screwed. But still, that doesn't give me fear, like at all, like zero fear if they had a weapon or something like that. But if I'm asleep, that's what bugs me. Like, that's the big thing. Okay. So has anyone like slept over and like snuck into your room, like while you were asleep? Yes. And it, because <laughs> uh, I used to sleep over at like friends' houses and stuff, and we'd all sleep in the same room. But uh, the, parents would be like in the other room asleep and when they came out it i would shoot up like a rocket like it would be uh, like so quick and unbelievable and i'm making everybody else up i'd be like wake up guys wake up like that's how bad it was at some point and you don't know where that started from like oh uh, no not at all just nothing happened i've never had a break-in still haven't had a break-in i've had a break-in where i wasn't there but I've had never had a break-in where I was asleep in the home and woke up and my stuff was gone or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I guess, I, I mean, I watched a lot of crime movies growing up, but I doubt that had anything to do with it okay. or anything. <laughs> like, how do your parents wake you up? Do they, like, do they sneak into your room and try to wake you up? And that's, have you always just kind well, of... Well, uh, no, I always used an alarm clock always but uh they uh would not always knock on my door like sure i've got up and if i slept through my alarm clock that knock i can still remember it scares the shit out of me like it was always loud especially my dad it would just bang on that thing that would scare the shit out of me absolutely okay so that maybe would it maybe just that whole parents like this the whole like loud loud noises while you're asleep I think I need to look into autism. Like, I, think that's what I, mean. I don't know if it's autism. It's just, not, you know, some people just have anxiety about loud noises. Like yeah. I've interviewed Ruth Banks on this and she's afraid of balloons. And that's just because she doesn't like loud noises. And so a balloon is just, it's going to pop. And that's all she can think about is yeah. that, that balloon, the loud noise that balloon's going to make when it pops. Yeah. I used to be that way growing up, but, uh, I grew out of that. Now, if I hear that knock, my instant thought is home invasion, like right away. Like that's <laughs> where it goes. Okay. So how do you kind of, I guess, do you, how do you go to sleep knowing that that could happen? Like, are you just, do you just live at home with your parents? Uh, I really have, I wish, I wish that was why, but um, <laughs> no, uh, I, uh, the main thing I do now is uh, I used to just like bite the bullet and just go to sleep and just pray to God. But uh, now I kind of like uh, I do this thing where I like deep breaths, calm down mm -hmm. and uh, go to sleep and things like that. That's how it really helps me. I, I have my eyes open and they're closed. Then I sleep like that's how it, how it is now, because doing what I used to do where I just covered up completely and then just it, it, I lost sleep because of it. So do you live on your own or do you live with your parents? I still haven't. I do live with my parents okay. right now. So does that, is that more of a comfort to you than moving into an apartment alone? Or do Yes, you... absolutely. I am upstairs and uh, I will not be the first taken out at least. Like that's a big part of it. <laughs> okay. So you, so you're comfortable staying at home. You would rather do that than live on your own. No, absolutely not. The uh, the disadvantages of living there are w far outweigh my fear. Like, okay. absolutely. I would rather live on my own. But in terms of my fear of robbers, it is way better. Absolutely. Okay. So usually what I try to do, what I learn to do is that 
I realize that what I have is not super valuable. Like I have nice things, but I know they're not like stealable. Like now, you know, it just, I'm 45. So there's a lot of age thing of, you know, like to me, you know, some of this high tech stuff is really valuable, but I'm like, they've, they've got even newer TVs than what I have. You know, I have 2K TVs, and that, my TV is not even a 2K, you know, flat. It's just a flat screen Sony, but you know, no one's going to steal that when it's not a 2K 60-inch. It's, it's just a very modest, you know, 48-inch flat screen TV. It's not the the most, you know, amazing TV ever created. I got you. That, uh, yeah, we don't have uh, super nice things at all. I mean, we, we have our valuables, of course, but like... Uh, uh, I would say my fear is pretty irrational, like very, it's to an irrational level. Like I logically do not think my house is going to get broken into, especially at Weatherford, Texas. But uh, it's very irrational, I think. Yeah. But I mean, you just, just take a look around and to take stock and like, you know, no one's broken in yet and no one around the, like I've had close bouts with it when I, when I was having to live with my mom in my thirties. Like we had a condo over in Hearst off of Precinct Line and uh, Harwood, right behind like the Hyatt and all the Dunkin' Donuts and stuff. And when we first, when I first moved into it, there was an old lady that next door to us that got r- broken into. And I came home. I worked a job that had irregular hours. Like I could do my work and leave at noon if I had if I if I pushed it. And so I would leave around two or three. And I drove home one day, and somebody was sitting in my parking spot, just looking at our at our at our condo. Do you not like shit yourself, man? Like, well, I pulled into the spot next to him, and then pretended to go into the other another apartment, like I wasn't going. But he immediately like started booking it, and I turned around, and I started taking pictures of his car and everything else, and like trying yeah. to memorize the license plate. And just so like you're pretty sure there's no doubt like he was scoping out your place like for sure in my mind yes like could yeah. he have also been there to repo my mom's car that she wasn't paying absolutely okay but, I got you. but he was just there staring like at the apartment just trying i think getting a lay and i just happened to drive up and for the next few nights like i you know any kind of noise outside my window because i was over the garage so my bedroom was over the garage mom's was further back i would if anything came through the parking lot i'd be like you know something's happening something you know and like i get you know there was you know nights where i would i'd feel something outside the window or something like menacing like in my dreams even yeah and so yeah i was terrified of that like my car had been broken into i think once but i left it unlocked and so i found my stuff like it wasn't anything super valuable but i found like the bat the comedy bag and stuff down because they would jump the fence to the other complex. So I went down to that corner and there's my bag and stuff. And they had tried to look for any money and they just tossed it when they couldn't see any. Oh my God. And that's I was like, freaky dude. And I'm like, sweet. Got my stuff back. And uh, yeah. that's all I care about is like my comedy notebook's still here. Awesome. All right. That's so valuable. What are you talking? <laughs> it's valuable to I would me, have to but burn that note. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was like, there but, no, uh, there's nothing valuable in my, my comedy bag. Yeah. Oh man, the, the, the car thing wouldn't freak me out as much. Uh, like I said, I feel like if I'm in my house when I'm asleep, because I'm, I'm a super heavy sleeper, and uh, I know they could like do anything to me, like absolutely. Oh, that's oh, that's neither here nor there in this conversation. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> not but, like that. Like I meant like murder or something. <laughs> I think that's also too like I know Mallory has that fear because she she doesn't have a good really good vision, and so she'll sleep like with her facing the door. Like she doesn't she's away from the door, but it's like I'm ready to see you if you come in. Yeah, that's good. That's how my my bed is faced too. I'm looking right at the door. That's not why though. I never even thought about that. But I bet if I turned my bed, I would feel like I'd rather have my eyes on the door. I feel like. Yeah, it's the people. Like I'll send you a bit, one of my favorite comedy bits from Kyle Kinane about his his weird like fantasy like of <laughs> of a stuffed a man thing. It was it's super hilarious and and. I just I, he's one of my yeah. he's my all he's my all time fave at at comedy. Oh sometimes. really? Oh yeah, hit Kyle Kinane and Carl LeBeau are my two all time faves. That's so cool. I think mine are probably Brian Regan and Todd Berry. Those are my two all time favorites. Okay. So, if you were to move out on your own again, how would you? I guess so. The, you don't mind if you're not if your house is broken into and everything's gone when you come home. Yeah, I would be okay with that. I. D- what if they're, you can still hear something like maybe they're in the apartment still? I wouldn't believe that. That's a little too irrational for me. I wouldn't okay. believe they're like living in my apartment. Well, no not way. living, but I mean, they're still there burglarizing. Like they just are finishing yeah. up and you came in like at the tail end, like them coming, you know, making one last check through. I would scope around, uh, but uh, I like I said, I'm awake. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you for doing this. I am intrigued that you, you're too yeah, okay for, fun, for them. For you to do it while they're asleep, but not like awake is cool, but sleep is a no go. So it's just when you was you're asleep. That's the only criteria for this fear. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It's at night when I'm asleep. I'm totally vulnerable to murder or what. <laughs> like absolutely. But that's why you know. That's why you. Know, that's why you have like dreams and stuff like that. Is you. Is that you? You're we're all pack animals by nature, and so people will. There's always things that if you you're asleep, you're in. This is from prehistoric times. Like you don't sleep in a cave alone. You know that's a, there's something that your body will tell you you're in danger. And so it's it kind of, it's like a base instinct, and so just keep that in mind too that we're all. I know, like and that a, sucks because I I think I uh, would like to live. You're still gonna live. You just gotta you just I gotta think that find sucks a way. I would like to live alone. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But you also have to think, you know, no one's that I'm safe that they're and as you get to get acclimated to your apartment. Yeah. The first week or so, you're probably going to be a little antsy unless you just really, really like the community. I'm like, there's going to be people like I'm I'm in a very high concentration of immigrant. I I would say immigrant uh, Indian population. And they're out walking at two in the morning. And I'm like. You know, my first thought was that's kind of weird, but then I started thinking about you know, India's on the other side of the world. It's probably afternoon there, and this is when you they're awake to call to see what's going on back home. Like this is yes. you know three p.m. to them overseas, and so yeah, why wouldn't you be out to, outside to, on the phone talking to your loved ones? You know that are thousands of miles away. And so you yeah. just kind of, you learn to, you know, it's like, okay. Keep an open mind, justify everything. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a, I think that's good. Yeah, and like, there's no, you don't see, you don't hear about a lot of crime. You don't see a lot of cop cars, you know, in and out of your complex, you know, or just 
hat chilling. Like every once in a while you'll see it and you're like, oh, I wonder what happened there. But, you know, nothing to the extreme where I'm like, you know, in danger. Like I've seen other comics. I'm like, man, how do you live here? There's your car has got gunshots in it. You know, like that's you know, that you, you're OK with this. And, yeah. Yeah, that would that freak that would freak me out. Yeah, but uh, well, hey man, uh, before this ends, uh, what what's your biggest fear, dude? My biggest fear is probably snakes. Snakes? Yep, that's probably my biggest. Um, I have a bunch. Like I, you know, we taught we had one earlier today. We were talking about the dentist. Was one I introduced today. It's like something I've had before. Financial is something I freak out about a lot. Like. Like if I have a huge, like my car engine blew, like just the, the fear of where the fuck am I going to get that kind of money or, or the down payment for a new car? How am I going to, where am I going to find that? Also with my, uh, my, my spectrum wigs me out whenever I wake up late or like if I'm supposed to be at work, like I'm supposed to be driving to work and I wake up five minutes before I'm supposed to be there or worse, two hours after I was supposed to be there. Yeah, I wig out. I can, you know, then, it, or God forbid I miss a doctor's appointment or something, then I just wig out at, you know, calling to say, hey, I missed the appointment. Yeah. I try to think about myself as an on time guy. And I do get a little, like, if I'm about to be a couple minutes late, I feel that coming on a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That anxiety of where I need to get there. I need to get there. Yeah. And I like, yeah. And I will speed up like too much, way too much. Well, yeah. And where can people find you on social media? Before we rewrap up here, uh, I'm on Instagram at DMCG Comedy mm-hmm. and uh, Facebook. You can find me, uh, Danny McGow, and uh, uh, YouTube, Danny McGow. I think that's pretty much it. Okay. Well, thanks again, Danny. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Ryan. It was really fun. So that was Danny. That was a fun conversation. I. Really enjoyed it. It was very interesting to learn about his fear and just basically that his fear of being, I guess, bothered while he slept more than actually burglary, like what I thought it was. So we learned a lot. Um, It's a very interesting conversation, very realistic fear. You're defenseless and you just got to trust your instincts and the people around you that you're safe. There's no guarantee, but you should have a good feeling about where you live. Check out Danny McGow. Um, he performs all around the Fort Worth area. I don't know his next show will be. Um, he, you can follow him on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. I'll have the links in the show notes. As for me, you can check me out. I'll be at the Dallas Comedy Club this Friday night with a host of great comics like Des O'Neill. CJ Star for our for a banger show, which is a local showcase that they at the Dallas Comedy Club. So check that out. We'll be in Deep Ellum. Should be a fun time. Also check me out at Instagram, Facebook, and as well as the show Some Fear Fans on all social media. I thank you guys again for listening. If you like what you hear, leave us a review. Uh, five stars would be great. Next week we'll have another guest with another fear. Uh, Thank you again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast and have a wonderful week. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhite 
H2O. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook. Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S, as well as his website, gunnarolson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger, and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there, and you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.